Welcome back to the Rebel Alliance podcast. It's good to be back in the studio. You got Chris and Nate here, uh, ready to bring another exciting episode, Chris. Yes, we are. Number 30, if I'm right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Thanks for the reminder. So this is number 30. Not that we're counting or anything. <laughs> yeah, but but conveniently, our iTunes <laughs> RSS feed tells us. Tells so, us. Yeah, episode 30. How does that make you feel, man? Makes me feel pretty good considering it's, don't feel like we've been doing it for very long, but it's already been 30 episodes. Yeah, yeah. So old hat by now, as they say. Yeah, old hat. I don't get it, that saying, but maybe uh, it fits like an old hat. It I, does, don't I don't know, uh, but it's good to be here and it's good to be at number 30. It means uh, that we're, we're still trudging along and uh, things are going well. Um, and, uh, so let's just, uh, introduce, so we are, uh, Rebel Alliance, obviously you're listening uh, we hope that this is the 30th episode that you're listening to us, but uh, if you're new, welcome, welcome. Uh, we are proud members of the Berean Media Network, uh, a network where you will hear sound theology and, uh, it includes some of our friends around the network. We have the, uh, the two thieves podcast that those are our friends, Brandon and Justin, uh, who are out of, uh, St. Louis, Missouri. Um, and uh, they just recorded, so we're at episode 30. They just recorded episode 60 last week, uh, and it was a great episode. They had Tony Arsenal from the Reformed Outlook on, uh, and they've just been killing it. They, they wrapped up their eschatology series. What did you think of that series, Booty? I enjoyed it quite immensely, particularly your episode. <laughs> the Postmo one. Uh, that wasn't a shameless plug, really, I promise. It totally was. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, our brothers over at uh, The Two Thieves uh, doing some awesome stuff. Always looking forward to their content that drops every Thursday. Uh, we also have our friends over at The Layman's Cup. Um, and they're, uh, they're way ahead of us. They're on episode like 110 or something like that. So they've, uh, they've been doing it for a long time. They're veterans, as we say veterans 110 episodes yeah we're like the 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 shining rookie and they've taken us under their wing to show us the ropes would we be rookie of the year then is that how that works i don't i don't think we we're new to the berean media network we don't get to distribute the trophies um the dundies as they say by default though i would think we would win maybe by default my two favorite words um so, and they've, they've actually had some really interesting stuff. So they've been tackling some, some huge issues over on the Layman's Cup. Uh, I would encourage you to go and check them out. They've been talking a lot about, uh, you know, uh, Colin Kaepernick and that whole thing and, and race and monuments and what's going on in Nashville. And they actually had a couple of uh, guys on uh, to talk about race with. They had a really long, uh, really interesting conversation uh, with them in their last, last week's episode. Um, and then, uh, of course, our friends over at the Front Pew, those are uh, our pastor friends uh, putting on a podcast by pastors for pastors, and they're just slightly ahead of us, 33 episodes uh, that they have. So, um, so you're right, maybe we are Rookie of the Year, but, uh, but those are our good friends, Ben Rudolph, Matt Caps, and Chris Griggs, and, uh, and they've had some, some awesome episodes recently. I would, I would really encourage people to go and listen to their one right after the eclipse. Actually, I think it aired on the day of the eclipse called uh, The End of the World, which uh, I thought was a clever... <laughs> Uh, clever episode, and uh, and that was uh, worth listening to. So those are our friends of the Berean Media Network. Anything you want to say about any of those episodes? Or I, our, I our would buddies? have listened to that one about the eclipse, but I was hiding in a bunker that day. You know, be, <laughs> the moon is crossing in front of the sun. I don't Who know. Who knows to, what was going to happen? Nobody knows, right? <laughs> there could have been tidal waves. There could, could have been, been anything. Uh, so basically, you spent this past Monday very similar to the way you spent uh, 1999, <laughs> December 31st, when when the year 2000 was coming, and and Chris didn't know what was going to happen. I did the 2000 switch. He's a he's a prepper. 
for those of you who are listening. Chris is a, Chris is a prepper. Um, I've got plans. He does have plans. He has a bunker somewhere. You can imagine Chris and I are pretty close, and yet he still hasn't told me where his bunker is. So we can't be that close. Yeah, it's a... Unlike your faith, this is something you actually have to earn your way into the bunker. <laughs> you have to be able to bring something to the table, Nate. Fair enough. What are, what are you bringing? Uh, I have, I have, I feel like I have a lot of skills that would help if there was ever a zombie apocalypse. Could you carry me? I need somebody. I'm look. I have an opening for somebody who could carry me. I'm a little. Bit, I feel like Kemp could carry you. I feel like he's well, down he, in North Carolina, though. If this thing broke out quickly, I don't know that he'd come straight up here for you. No, you might have no. to. You might have to sweeten the deal a little bit more. How good is your shelter? My shelter. Oh, it's tip top. Tip top. Um, okay, so uh, we, have, we have an exciting episode today. Uh, but before we get into that, we just wanted to kind of say thank you. Um, so this episode is the first episode that's dropping in September. And we just want to say thank you because we had such an awesome August. Uh, not only were the episodes, uh, we were obviously happy with it. Um, but I mean, just listenership. So I just want to throw a couple of things. And Chris, for our listeners, has not got any of these numbers yet. I, I, I was going to say, so you're getting real pooty reaction to some of this stuff. Um, <laughs> so first of all, we had just over 6,000 downloads in the month of September or the month, month of August. 6,000? Just over 6,000 downloads. It's just on our RSS feed. That, that, that's not including who, who watches the, uh, the native videos that we upload to Facebook. Our nine um, listeners have been busy. <laughs> yeah, great, great point. Um, so thank you so much for listening to each episode like, you know, a thousand times. <laughs> um, but yeah, so 6,000 downloads uh, through our RSS feed. Now, uh, we, we obviously have to give a big shout out to Doug Wilson because uh, his episode alone accounted for about half of that. Um, uh, and, and yeah, and then we're very, very thankful that he came on the show and that he, uh, tweet us out. Uh, but yeah, 6,000, uh, listeners over the month of August, which was awesome. And I just wanted to throw a couple, uh, a couple interesting things there. So first of all, uh, our, the country where we are most listened to is no longer Canada. Let me, let me try to guess here. Yep. The obvious assumption would be the United States. Yep. So I'm going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where you're going with that. Where, Yes, it's, right. it, it is the United States. Um, so the States uh, accounts for uh, just a little over half of our listenership. Um, and then uh, about 30% of it comes from Canada, which means 20% is coming from outside of uh, Canada and the U.S., which is kind of cool. The Americans love their sound theology. Yeah. So, so here's just a couple things. This is just on our last episode. Okay. So this is on the climate change episode that dropped uh, the very last uh, Wednesday in August. Uh, we had 13 downloads from the Netherlands. Yeah, I don't. I, if you're listening to this and you listen to the thieves from the Netherlands, please get in touch with us. We wanna we wanna hear who you are. And uh, we had uh, I ten. Think, I think the laymen are on our mission trip to Amsterdam at the moment. Dang! Sorry I thought we that. had. Oh, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Kemp, come on, man! You got to get me all excited. Well, thank you guys for listening to us while you're on the road. Um, we also had uh, ten from Belgium. I have no idea. Do we idea. know anybody I got in, Belgium in Belgium who is on a missions trip? Um, seven listeners from Angola. Ang- Angola. Well, Marcel's in Angola. Shout ah, out to her. That's right. They've been listening. He's on missions. All right. So apparently missionaries we know <laughs> short and long term are accounting for a lot of But these. that's only two, right? Yeah, that's, that's, that's You said true. seven. That's true. So that means they've shared, they've shared the podcast with five with other people. With somebody else, yeah. Um, two from Sweden. I got nobody in Sweden. Good okay. people in Sweden, though. Apparently. Two from Japan. I got nothing in Japan either. Good, good. I like this. Two from Brazil. Oh, know I love Brazil. In Brazil. Brazil's on my list. Places I want to go. What do you mean by that? 
I have a list of places I want to go. Oh, okay. And Brazil's on that list. Oh, that's that's a little easier than I than I anticipated. All right, sweet. Um, we have uh, two from France. I don't know any French people uh, in France right now. Um, I'm a little shocked by that, actually. Yeah, I know. Maybe Brownie's back from his uh, honeymoon, is he not? Yeah, I don't, I don't think he listens to us anyway. Yeah, I don't think so. Anyway, um, exciting stuff. Uh, we have uh, uh, three from India. Um, and, uh, and that looks like about it. A couple from Mexico. Uh, that would probably be friends of ours who are, uh, are in Mexico on missions. Uh, we have, yeah, anyway, kind of cool, eh? Yeah, it's pretty, it's, pretty, it's pretty amazing to think that we have listeners all around the world who are connecting in this medium. Because yeah. I think that's one of the points of this. And that we still can't get our wives to listen to every episode. <laughs> so there's that. It's a, a good point. It's a good point. That. Are, is that trying to get them to feel convicted or trying to get us to get better? Well, I just think I, your, yours might actually hear it. I don't think mine will. So there's uh, that. Yeah. So I'm the one who's, yeah, I'm the one in trouble here. The, so anyway, we just, uh, we, we say that not to in any way brag. We just say that to say, you know, glory to God. And thank you so much to our friends at the BMN. I mean, they've grown our listenership a lot. Doug Wilson uh, for coming on the show and, uh, and things are just going really well. So we just want to thank all our loyal listeners. And, uh, and the other thing that that tells us with 6,000 people downloading the podcast through the month of August, um, we have not talked to most of those people. So please interact with us. Send us an email. Tell us your story. How did you, if you're from Japan or you're from India or you're from Sweden um, or Belgium, um, let us know uh, who, how you got in touch with us and, or how you got connected with us. And uh, we'd love to hear that story. And, uh, and also just, just find us on Facebook. If you are just listening to the RSS feed, we drop some videos on Facebook every Friday. And, uh, and just like our content, share our content. It's going to uh, continue to help expand the audience. And uh, I'm just really excited. I think that's really sweet. And, and for the people who have been like listening and who are doing those things, sharing. I know there's some people who share our content every single week, who like our content every week. You know what? Let's just shout a couple of our, our good listeners out. Do you want to do that? Can we do that? Can we just say like... What happens if we forget somebody that we... Because we didn't plan this. Should we come this. prepared next week? Why don't we... Why don't next week... I know the Thieves just did it, but why don't we come next week, shout out some of our faithful listeners and some people who have reviewed us on iTunes okay, and things like that. that. We we'll Once we've... Because I would, I would feel terrible if we... If we... Left off one person Left off who, somebody <laughs> who has been with us since the beginning. <laughs> yeah, I would fair feel, enough. Fair enough. I okay. would feel very bad. All right. Less... Let, I, you know, I'm trying to get spontaneous here. I'm, I'm getting cocky. <laughs> this is our 30th episode. I feel like we're better on our feet than we are. Chris, bring me back to you've reality. Un, you've untucked that. the shirt. I've untucked my shirt. My hair is all over the place. Unbelievable. Um, okay, so thanks is is the bottom line from that whole opening segment. Thank you. Thank you for supporting the thieves. Thanks for listening to our content and uh, and thanks for sharing it. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, we're we're so proud to be uh, part of the BMN. We're so uh, thankful that we get to do this, and uh, we're so thankful that uh, you're actually listening. So. Thank you. Um, for today's episode, we have another awesome guest, a, a guest that I'm super excited about, um, who actually has some some ties here. So uh, we're going to yes. invite on uh, Dr. Josh Straub, um, and Dr. Josh Straub is a as a uh, doctor, uh, psychologist, and pastor. Uh, and uh, he has a podcast of his own uh, called In This Together, and uh, he has uh, some just really exciting stuff. He's an author, uh, and, uh, and he has some, some really cool insights. Um, now, we, we kind of got connected with him because uh, we saw his podcast, uh, his books, uh, really loved what he was doing in terms of um, gospel-driven family discipleship. Um, but there's actually a personal connection here, right? Right, Chris? Yeah. Um, so 
Dr. Josh's spouse, Christy, um, actually went to church with our wives. Right. So they're, they're friends of the family. Their families used to vacation together. Um, and they were all chummy, as they say back chummy. Um, growing up. So they grew up together before Christy went away to school. And then one thing led to another. She married Josh and lives in Texas. So, so they're in but- Texas, <laughs> which is um, the promised land. Uh, and uh, some tough stuff going on there right now. But um, and, uh, and they're, they're doing some awesome stuff. So it, it's kind of cool to kind of, uh, get connected to somebody and then realize that there's these old connections and it's nice to see where they've, uh, where they've ended up. But, uh, Dr. Josh Straub is, uh, is just a, a really intelligent, uh, really thoughtful, uh, Christ-like guy. And, uh, we're super excited to have him on, uh, to talk to us. So, um, without further ado, uh, here's Josh Straub. Yeah, looking forward to it. And we are joined with uh, Dr. Josh Straub. Am I pronouncing that correctly? That's right. Yep. Uh, so Dr. Josh is, uh, I, I'd like to say a friend. We have, uh, we have uh, wives who have a, share a history together, but I know Josh mostly through uh, his books and some of his work. Uh, so you've written uh, some books, Safe House, or Safe Home rather, God Attachment. Uh, you do a podcast called In This Together and uh, something else uh, that's new that we want to talk to you about. But uh, uh, thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. It's an honor to be on. Oh, no problems at all. So um, so tell us just a little bit about yourself. First of all, um, you, uh, you, you seem young to be a doctor and, and have so many books and titles next to your name. So tell us just a little bit about uh, where you did your studying and uh, what got you where you are. Yeah, no, I, and part of that is that I look a lot younger than I am, so I guess that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> there you go, good genes. On, on, uh, on, on who you ask, but um, yeah, so I just, um, early on, I was, uh, so I got my PhD uh, when I was 30, so, um, and that was eight years ago, so it gives you an idea how old I am. Um, I uh, got my PhD when I was 30. I was going through, early on, my parents divorced when I was uh, 10 years old, and so, um, that really was a, a signature uh, moment for me. I didn't know it then, but uh, years later, I was the I was first born in the family. Um, I was the fixer in the family, um, and uh, so I just didn't think. And my parents didn't. They didn't argue. They didn't fight. Like I didn't see them fighting. And so the, the divorce kind of came as a um, a surprise to me. So. Basically, I was kind of I, I thought I came out unscathed until I got into uh, so I got out of college. I was a criminal justice major. I'm going to try to make this short because you don't need to know every detail. But um, I, was, I wanted to be a state cop. And I so I was going through criminal justice program. But when I got out of college, I got hired as a youth development counselor in a maximum security juvenile detention center. And I really enjoyed the counseling. I fell in love with the counseling. And at the time I was being mentored by a pastor. And just was really growing in my faith and got to a point where I realized I was in over my head counseling these these young kids um, and I needed more education and just uh, knew that I wanted to have a family. And uh, being a police officer and being in criminal justice field is actually one of the higher rates of divorce and stress on families. And so it was a decision there. God was kind of opened up the door for me to go to get my counseling degree and in the very first class that we had, it was a marriage and family class, he asked us to do a genogram, or our professor asked us to do a genogram. And basically what a genogram is, is it is a um, like a family tree, but you look at your grandparents, your parents, I looked at my aunts and uncles, and I, my sister who's younger than me, 
And what I found was that every single person in my family had been divorced at least once and most of them twice. And I started looking at my family tree and going, man, there's there. And a genogram even goes deeper than that in that it looks at family patterns or it looks at relationship patterns. And I started to see relationship patterns that, so it wasn't just the divorce that was passed from the third and fourth generations. It was certain relational patterns um, that was also passed to the third and fourth generations. For instance, like passivity in men, you know, just being passive and not making decisions and, and that type of thing. And so I realized, man, I've, it was that it was in that spot that I realized I was ironically crazy enough. I was in a dating relationship actually at the time. And the girl that I was dating wanted to drive the car everywhere we went and I'm going, and I was letting her and I'm like, okay, this is being passed even on to me. I've got to do something about this. And so, man, I, I, I went into two years of counseling after that and just said, I'm going to really pursue health for my own life because I want to break this now. And that was really the beginning for me of beginning to study family and, and really finding out who I was so that I could be the best husband and father that I could be when the time came to get married. So that was kind of where my personal journey began into, um, into this passion for family. So Wow. That's, it, it's, it's interesting. I mean, like I said, I've, uh, I, I've kind of followed a lot of your work and, and your podcasts and stuff and, and, uh, hadn't really got all that history. So that's, it's really interesting to know that you kind of got into all of this, not just as a passion for families, which you obviously have, but, uh, but really birthed out of, um, in, in a lot of ways, kind of being, uh, the poster child for the kind of family, uh, or the kind of pe- people that you want to help. Right. Yeah. I- Absolutely. And, and to live that authentically and to, to live that out in a way that, um, because even though my parents were divorced, my parents, like there was no question whether or not my parents loved me. Like, like I said, they were, you know, I literally thought like I I used to use the phrase, my parents went through a civil divorce, you know, like that, like, and then I realized it was an oxymoron. There really isn't a such thing. Like, but, but like they were, they were as emotionally stable as you could possibly get for a divorce situation. Like, I, I never questioned whether I was loved. And I think that's where my stability today, as much stability as I have, <laughs> um, you know, uh, being a sinful human being, um, came from was the love that they had for me. So it was, um, you know, I think that's what helped ground me to have that passion for family as well. Now, uh, you just said something there that maybe is a good launching off point for some of our listeners who might not be too, too familiar with uh, all of the work you do. Uh, so we'll get into some of this. And I would just really encourage our listeners to, uh, to subscribe to your podcast, the In This Together that you do with your wife, Christy. Uh, fantastic stuff. And maybe, maybe some of what you talk about will bring out some of the stuff in your book. So feel free, free to plug that as well. But maybe a good starting point is something that I appreciate about you a lot. So you're just talking about, you know, not feeling loved. Loved. Uh, and then you said, you know, talked about stability and you said, you know, as much as a sinful person can be. And, and one of the things I appreciate most about you, uh, Josh, Dr. Josh, if I, um, is, uh, is that you have a, Josh, a, a, Josh is great. Just Josh is great. All right. Fair, yeah, you know. can, I, can I call you just Josh? Just Josh. Yeah. Just Josh. There you go. Yeah. Just Josh. Yeah. Um, is, uh, is the fact that you have, um, your foundation is very clearly the word of God. And, and so all the clinical knowledge that you have kind of gets, gets put on the foundation of the Word of God. And, and that's such a, a unique and kind of refreshing voice because, you know, as a pastor, you realize that, you know, you can speak from the authority of the Word of God. 
And then there's a lot of kind of clinical psychology and family counseling out there in the world that runs contrary to the word of God. So I just love that you kind of have that foundation and the clinical knowledge and you marry the two together in a really unique way. Can you just kind of talk about your experience going through some of the education that you did uh, while trying to stay rooted in the word of God? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, um, thank you for saying that. Uh, You know, what's been really cool is the ability to be able to uh, you know, I've been asked to speak at places that um, where I have to take the scriptures out, like whether it's military or places like that, where I can I have doors that open up that I can, you know, really help families. Um, and by the time I leave there, they know where I stand on my faith. But um, because I can ground it in the research, it also I'm invited into those places. And, uh, you know, so, you know. For me, I mean, everything that I do, everything that I live, everything that I, I mean, I, I'm in scripture every day, you know, I'm, uh, I mean, that is my foundation. But really, when we first became parents, and my, my research is in the area of attachment research. And so, so every time you look at attachment theory or attachment relationships, um, it, it's a meta theory, meaning it, 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 it can be used in a number of different ways and across a number of different, even counseling uh, strategies and platforms. So whether you're doing cognitive behavioral therapy, whether you're using gestalt therapy, whether you're, whatever therapies that you're using in the clinical setting, attachment uh, can be implemented into each one of those types. But when I started studying the area of attachment, I started to, to filter it through the lenses of scripture and I started to say, wow, this is absolutely fascinating because everything that you look at through, through the lenses of scripture, you go, well, this is the steadfast love of God. And even in Psalm 103, he describes himself as, you know, it says, as a father has compassion on his child, so is compassion of the father for us. And that word compassion there is such a deep, visceral word. It's it's used one other time in scripture, and it's when the two prostitutes um, each have a baby, and uh, the one smothers the baby in the middle of the night and kills the baby, and... She in the middle of the night, she switches the baby with the other woman. And when she wakes up in the morning, the mother whose baby did not die looks at this dead baby and says, wait a minute, this isn't mine. You switched it. And and they go before King Solomon. Uh, really, it's the story goes to show King Solomon's wisdom. And, and he pulls out a sword as the story goes and says, you know, because they go to, to determine who whose child this is. And King Solomon pulls out his sword and says, let's cut the baby in half. Uh and, and the mother, the real mother, it said she yearned and she screamed, no, you know, let that baby live. And that word yearn is the same yearn or compassion that fa- the father has for us. And, and you look at that and, you, and, and Solomon says, because of the way she's yearned, she's the real mother. And um, that, that, that word, that's such a visceral, deep word. And you go, wow, this is fascinating. Because when you look at the research over and over and over again, this this idea of emotional safety, as you talked about Safe House, uh, you know, the, the subtitle of the book is how emotional safety is the key to raising kids who live, love and lead well. And the thing that I kept seeing is that in our culture specifically today, uh, you know, there are so many different parenting styles and techniques and so many things that the quote unquote experts tell us that we have to pay attention to. I mean, you can't even leave. I know here in the States, I don't know how it is in Canada. You can't even leave the hospital with your baby before you have to make a decision of whether or not you're going to give that baby a vaccination. 
And so, you know, it's the vaccination decisions. It's the schooling decisions. You have, should I spank? Should I not spank? Um, you have, you know, should I breastfeed, bottle feed? Um, you know, what, all of these decisions. And then, you, you know, then you just have the chaos of, uh, if you have multiple children, you have the chaos of the multiple children. Yeah, and, man, and we're, we, we're in the thick of that right now. <laughs> it's like, you know, and, and, and you look at this and you go, what really am I supposed to be doing? And, you know, all this anxiety. And so the more that I studied the, the, the research and the data, the more emotional safety kept popping out to me that every single outcome we're looking for in our kids from good grades to a faith that sticks to even for dads like who, who care about extracurricular and athletic success, every single one of these things links back to whether or not our kids felt emotionally safe with us in the home. And you're just going, wow, this is fascinating. And so when you look at the compassion of the father and you look at their data, you go, there's something here. And and it's not that it makes parenting any less difficult. I'm not saying it's not making parenting any less difficult, but what it does is it simplifies it. It simplifies it. So that's really for us what's been really powerful. Well, it's it's interesting. I'm just, as I'm hearing you talk, I mean, you're talking about this in as, as it relates to parenting and uh, you used Psalm 103 there to relate kind of to the way God yearns and cares for his children. And I I, I immediately think of 1 John, right? And and John's writing that letter and he says, you know, I'm writing this to those who believe so that you may know that you have eternal life. And, and there's all the life that John is giving through that letter is essentially, you know, there's, there's joy, right? When the other thing he says is that I'm writing so that your joy might be complete, right? So that the joy and the, the power and the satisfaction that comes through the Christian life is all available to us when we feel secure in the father, right? That's, that's the whole point of that letter is that so that, you know, you belong to God and all of the empowerment for Christian living comes out of knowing that you actually belong to God. So even us as God's children, we need that emotional security to know that he loves us and has us and is holding us and won't let us go. So it's fascinating. That, and that's that, honestly, like I spend the first three chapters of Safe House talking about the parent and, and, and so much of what we talk about, whether it's on our podcast or whether it's um, with, you know, in, in the coaching and in and, and things that we do with other families is it really comes down. We focus a lot on helping that parent, that, that individual parent and who they are and who they're becoming because over and over and over again, research also shows that it's more about who we are as parents that matters more in child outcomes than, than what we know about parenting. And Man, so that, that's convicting, eh? Yeah. It, well, and humbling, super convicting and it's, it, it's every one of those things. And I think at the end of the day, exactly goes back to that letter in, in first John is that whole idea of we love because he first loved us and our ability to love our kids stems from our ability to experience his love first. Amen. So Josh, I just, um, just help us unpack this a little bit for our, some of our listeners, like in a practical way, how do you, how do you make your kids feel emotionally safe? So, Give us some examples of what you and Christy do to foster that in your home. Yeah, and uh, I would say that we fail quite a bit at it. Um, <laughs> and uh, just to start, so, you know, you hear me talk and you might hear me give some good examples, but I want to preface it by saying we don't always get it right. Um, but that's the beauty of it is that we don't have to either. And I'll, I'll remind me and I'll talk about forgiveness in a little bit. But um, yeah, no, we so. I'll give you an example. I, I want to give two different examples. I want to give an example of with our kids because our kids are uh, 
three and five. And, um, and then I'll give an example of a family that I worked with with a dad of a 14 year old. Cause I think it gives you a really good, um, kind of depending on who's listening, um, uh, you know, kind of where you're at with your kids. But I had a dad of a 14 year old I was working with and, um, he came home, his daughter, his 14 year old daughter come home from school and she had asked her uh, dad if she could go to a Friday night football game here in the States, you know, Friday night football is huge. And so, um, her, her dad said no. And she looked at him and she said, dad, I hate you. And she went storming to a room and slammed the door closed. Uh, I talk about it as being, it's the posture. Emotional safety is the posture from which we parent, not the techniques that matters most. And so when I describe the posture of emotional safety, so, so we talk about, you know, should I give a time in or a time out? Should I, um, you know, I mean, even to the spanking issue, do you know, do we spank? Do we not spank all these things? Like there's so many techniques, but it's the posture from which we parent that really matters more than any of those techniques. Uh, and, and we see this over and over again through the research. Um, the posture of emotional safety in that situation would not be that dad uh, minimizing it and going, you know what, uh, it's just a Friday night football game. Who cares? Or uh, punishing the negative emotion by saying, don't you ever speak to me that way again. And I'm sticking my, uh, by the way, I'm pointing, uh, you can't see me, but I'm pointing like in her face. Like, don't you ever speak to me that way again. Uh, you know, you go to your, you go to your room, I'm taking your phone for a month and no, you're not going to that Friday night football game. Um, it's reacting uh, to the negative emotion in a, um, you know, by punishing it. And, and another way to not, uh, the other posture that's not helpful is uh, dismissing it, you know, just going, don't be mad at me. Uh, the way that I describe the posture of emotional safety is the ability, and when I'm speaking on this, I get down on a knee and get at their level, at their eye level, and say, honey, what is it about that? What is it about this game that matters to you so much? And uh, what this dad found out was that his daughter had been rejected by a group of friends that she was hanging out with and uh, the previous school year. And for this new school year, she was being rejected. She'd see them posting pictures on Snapchat and Instagram of them hanging out without her. And this was the first Friday night they asked her to be a part of something. And her dad said no. And so, you know, a lot of times there's a lot of deeper stuff going on within our kids, whether they're teenagers, whether they're preschoolers. There's stuff going on within them that caused them to react and cause them to, um, you know, misbehave. And a lot of times those reactions and those uh, times that they misbehave are directed at us as parents because we're the safest people in their lives. And so the way that I describe the posture of emotional safety is leading in grace and following up in truth. You know, Jesus came full of grace and truth. And when we lead in truth, like if we were to come down hard on her for act, and, and by the way, this is not saying that we don't, you know, give consequences for the way she disrespected her dad. That's what we, that's why he called me. And that's what we were working through was now, now that we found out what's really going on, how do I give consequences? Do I allow her to go to that football game? How do we do this? Because we have to follow up in truth. And so, but, but when we lead in truth and we don't allow our children to experience our grace, um, it leads to condemnation. Truth without grace leads to condemnation. And so we know there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And it's, you know, when you go back to that Psalm 103 passage, you know, it says that, uh, the father, uh, he will not chide. He will not always be chiding. He will not always be shaming. You know, he, he doesn't keep his anger forever. There's that whole dynamic of, um, his, his love for us. And so that's the way that I would describe emotional safety to a parent, um, with a teenager. And, and I can talk mm. about the preschooler version of that too. 
Yeah, go for it. Go for um, it. So, you know, our son, I'll just give you a brief example. Our son, um, he, this happened a couple months ago. Uh, and again, I'm giving you an example of where I got it right. I get it wrong so many times. But um, there was one night he uh, wanted to go. Uh, he, he loves reading books before bedtime. And there was one particular night where he wanted to read a book. And I asked him if he had gone to brush his teeth yet. And he told me yes. And it was the first time that I uh, caught him lying to me. Like I knew he was, I knew he hadn't brushed his teeth. And, um, and I looked at him and I said, buddy, did you really brush your teeth or, or, or is it just because you want to read the book? And he said, it's just because I want to read the book. And I, and I looked at him and I said, buddy, we cannot read a book tonight because I, I said, it's not that you didn't brush your teeth. It's that you lied to me. And so I had to teach him what it meant to lie. But, and he was, I mean, he's beside himself crying at this point. Cause he's so, it was the, he, he was upset that he made me sad. And, and he was also upset that he couldn't read a book. But what I did was I walked into his room. I sat him on the edge of his bed and I got on my knees and I looked him in the eye and I said, kiddo, I said, I love you so much, but I love you so much that I cannot allow you to act this way. And that's why you're not going to get a book tonight. And so as simplistically as I could explain it to him, um, because he's overwhelmed and we have to understand that when our kids are overwhelmed, whether they're getting rejected by a group of friends or whether our kids are preschoolers and their brain is already so overwhelmed, they're learning emotions for the first time. They're feeling these things for the first time ever in their lives. You know, it's the first time they're experiencing it. That's why they throw temper tantrums. That's why they act out. We have to be the way I describe it as Philippians four. In a lot of ways, we are the finite piece that, that, that helps our calm our kids' brains so they can think straight. So one of, the, one of the things that we tend to do wrong is we tend to uh, lecture our kids or try to explain something to our kids when they're overwhelmed and crying and talking back, and, but it doesn't register because their brains are just all overwhelmed at that point. So. And, and so how do you, I mean, I got a two-year-old at home right, right now, and, uh, and so we're just learning that, that defiance piece, right? And, and um, like you said, I, I like how clearly uh, you articulated that to your son that, you know, you're not, you're not getting punished here because you didn't brush your teeth. You, you're getting punished because you lied about it. Um, and, you know, you've obviously done a lot more uh, learning on this than the average parent, but, you know, at what, at what age are our kids capable of understanding some of these things that we're talking about? I mean, so here you are as a, as a Christian parent. So not only do you have to navigate, you know, how developed is my kid's brain? Do they understand consequences? Do they understand that stuff? But now it's also, do they understand me infusing spiritual truths into the way that I'm disciplining them? Absolutely. And you know what? The, the cool part is, is that kids can develop that sense of spirit. Like in terms of brain development, brain development happens most in the first five years of life. So teaching our kids scriptures and to memorize scriptures in those first five years of life is huge. Like kids pick them up. And so one of the things that we do is, uh, we have, we have flashcards and stuff that we'll use and we'll, we'll, we'll connect. Um, so what we do is we connect our discipline to, to scripture and, and by the way, repetition is key. So repetition. So not giving your kids or expecting your kids to memorize, you know, 50 verses, you know, in, in the next month. You know, we, we keep the same verses at the forefront of their minds all the time. So Philippians 2, 3, treat others as better than yourself or consider others as better than yourself. So we bring that up every time we have a sibling rivalry in our home and we're, or we're not sharing or, you know, our, you know, uh, 
you know, our son's not allowing his sister to go first, you know, because we've been really learning lately that, you know, ladies go first, you know, in our home, yeah. that's, that's the way we do it. So, you know, and, but he's so competitive, right? I mean, he's a, he's a, he just turned <laughs> yeah. five. I mean, he's a five right, year old yeah. boy whose testosterone levels are just overwhelmed right now. So he's, you know, I got to be first. I got to be first. That's great that you want to be competitive, but we also have to understand it in the context of, of, of a social setting and what it means to be, uh, um, honoring of other people. Hard work is another one that we, we do. So if, if Christy, my wife asks him to, to unload the dishwasher and he's like, no, nah, I don't want to do it. You know, I'll ask him, I'll say, Hey buddy, what, what would the ant do? You know, and, and right. you go to Proverbs six, six and he says, uh, go to the ant, you sluggard, consider his ways and be wise. And he'll be like, you know, he'll say, don't be a sluggard dad, you know? And so <laughs> like, so, you know, kids, especially in those first five years of life, they pick up scripture. Like the other night, my daughter recited a verse that I hadn't even worked with her on. I was working on it with Landon, our son. And she just by hearing it in the background, picked it up and said it to me the other night. And I'm like, oh my gosh, Kennedy, like, that's amazing. She just turned three. So kids pick this stuff up. And I I just really encourage, you know, scripture memory. And, and by the way, the key here isn't just scripture memorization, it's scripture internalization, yeah, right? Amen. I mean, we're, we're, they're memorizing them now, but what we're doing is we're helping them internalizing it by connecting their, di- when they disobey, by connecting that to their disobedience in the moment. So, right. Yeah. So Josh, back to something you said a little bit earlier, but I want to tie it to what you just said. So you said earlier that sometimes you guys fail at this. So because kids, a scary thought is that they pick up everything you guys are doing at, at their age already, even things you're not teaching them, they're seeing all these things. What do you do when you're in a situation where you realize you've fallen short as a parent? What's the, what does that look like in your home in terms of like teaching your kids about sin and consequences and the fact that nobody's perfect, even though they probably look at you like you are, right? Yeah, well, and that's, and that's just it. And, and I think that's one of the things, you know, our kids we all go through that season of life where we realize our parents were actually not perfect. Um, and you know, for us, it's this whole idea. So, uh, because here's the reality, you're going to yell, you know, you're going to say things to your kids that you regret. Um, you know, we were just talking to, uh, uh, someone that we interviewed on the podcast just the other day. And she said, you know, she said, and, and Christy and I were just like, Oh my gosh, we just did that very thing. Um, how, how basically like, you know, she, her, her son was in the backyard and, and I just, I mean, Chrissy just said, I just, she said, I just did this to Landon the other day where, you know, Landon was, um, I think he hit his sister or something. I can't even remember the exact situation. And, and, um, and she looked at him and she said, uh, what are, I forget exactly how, but basically who would do something like that? Like who, who would do something like that? You know, and you're, you're shame, you're bringing shame on. And, and the, the example of this woman said, she said, what really changed it for her was her son looked at her and said, I would, I guess I would, I'm that type of person that would do that. And, and her son was five and she's like, it just broke me to the core. And, and, um, and so I, I love this because one of the things that she said, and one of the things Christy and I have been doing lately is she said, you know, we, we lead our kids to the cross. It's a great opportunity to, to walk with our kids and take our kids to the cross, uh, together. And so, um, you know, the way that I describe this, so this is fascinating research shows 
that if you get this emotion, this, this idea of emotional safety, this posturing ourselves in emotional safety, leading in grace, following up with the truth, if you get this right just two out of five times, that's 40% of the time, that you're still going to get the outcomes we're looking for in our kids. Wow. So I tell moms this, I, when I'm speaking to, to moms, because moms tend to take on more guilt and shame than, than I think even dads do. For um, sure. yeah. and, and, and I said, okay, so take a deep breath. You only have to get it right 40% of the time. <laughs> and you can just feel the weight of the room just go, ah. And the reason is because research shows the, a word called repair is they call it the ultimate of relationships, that repair is the ultimate of relationships. Do you know what the Bible calls it? Forgiveness. And it tells us to practice it a lot. So when we mess up, we have to be humble enough as parents to get down on their level, at eye level, on our knees and say, buddy or honey, you know, I am so sorry that I said those things to you. I am so sorry that I spoke to you in the tone that I did. Uh, You know, whatever it is, being very specific about our offense and saying, will you please forgive me? And then, and then, and then one of the things, like I said, we've been implementing recently is saying, I need to go to Jesus and I need to seek forgiveness from Jesus. Would you pray with me to do that as well? Would you go there with me? And then we do that with our kids as well to go when they mess up to go, you know what? Let's go to Jesus together and let's give this to Jesus because he's going to forgive it. And, but let's, we have to seek that forgiveness. So, so what you're doing is you're leading your kids to the cross, but you're also inviting them to the cross with you when you're messing up as well. And I just think it's a beautiful picture of what it means to be human um, and, and showing our kids that we need Jesus and also that they need Jesus as well. That's awesome. And your kids are five and three. Five Correct? and three, yeah. Yeah, yeah so right. I mean, you're starting this. You're starting this early. That's uh, that's awesome. Um, so just to kind of uh, pan out a little bit for some of our listeners, and and maybe uh, get out of the nitty gritty for just a second, and kind of look at a, a big picture. Uh, you know, with with how much interaction you get with families, and I mean. Uh, you're down in the States right now. Uh, Canada tends to be a little bit behind uh, the States, but often following in the same way. I mean, we're seeing some crazy stuff, right? We're hearing stories about um, kids who are uh, having uh, celebrations thrown for them in, in first grade about their transition from a boy to a girl. Uh, we're, we're seeing all kinds of just crazy stuff that's going on in the culture around us. So I'd just love to hear from you, somebody who's in the trenches, not only in your own family, but working with other families. What, what do you view as some of the big dangers that are going on uh, right now in our culture that Christian families are facing? Yeah. You know, I think one of the biggest ones, and, and, and I know we talk about transgenderism and, and, and that type of thing, but I think an even bigger one and a, a one that's even more prevalent um, is uh, screens in general, just just screens, uh, because uh, a, what we're realizing and, and research is showing this over and over and over again is that screens are having an unbelievable impact on a child's brain, whether they are two years old or even infancy. I mean, Fisher Price now has... Uh, you know, iPad holders and baby seat carriers. Yeah, I know. It's, it, it's like, it's the first five years of life is the highest part. It's the, it's when our kids' brains grow the fastest. And when you wire them for a screen, they become wired for screens. We're seeing increased anxiety. We're seeing epidemic proportions of anxiety and depression in today's generation of kids. And researchers are linking it to the, to the amount of screen time that they're getting. And so you have, you have, the anxiety, increased anxiety and depression with screens. And then the second thing that you have, especially as you get into middle school and high school, are the, is the cyberbullying. 
and uh, and and the increased and, and we're seeing a little bit more the increased rates of suicide as it relates to cyberbullying, and 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 I mean to go to the transgenderism issue, to go to the homosexuality issue, a lot of it, uh, a lot of those kids that are committing suicide are kids who are feeling left out or pushed out or made fun of, uh, maybe because they are, you know, they're wrestling with those gender identity or sexual orientation issues and, um, and, and kids are making fun of them. So we're seeing that a lot. We had a, um, I don't know if it was uh, big there, but certainly big here was a, a show on Netflix on, uh, called 13 reasons why. And it, and it chronicled, you know, this 13 year old or 13 reasons why for the 17 year old girl to commit suicide. And, um, and so that would, that really created some, you know, some issues here. And so I would just really encourage parents to begin having the conversations early with your kids about screens. And, um, even you yourself as a, as a parent, we, it, again, it constantly goes back to us as parents. How are we doing with the screens? Uh, because when we're out of control with screen time, um, it's a lot easier to, to, to allow our kids to be out of control as well. So um, I think we really have to be careful of how much screen time we monitor. And then as they're a little bit older, start monitoring who they're hanging out with, especially as it relates to being on the social media itself. Now, I, uh, Josh, I'll say this in a, in a wonderful way. You just really convicted me. And, and since I don't like being convicted alone, I just want to kind of break it down for some of our listeners so we can all be convicted <laughs> together. Is you know, So I'm sitting here and asking you about some of the big uh, threats to Christian families. And I'm thinking about all these big cultural issues that are going on, um, expecting you to kind of go with that answer. And then you know, the answer that screens are kind of wreaking havoc on our families um, you know, some, it, it just reminds me that sometimes as Christians and as parents, we can get so caught up in some of the big issues that kind of, uh, disgust us or scare us about culture. And we neglect these, these seemingly little things that you're telling us are, are actually sowing seeds to make some of these bigger issues, a bigger problem down the road. And, uh, and it reminds me, so just, just the other day, our, our two-year-old, uh, daughter is named Quinn and, uh, and she just... I mean, she's, she's talking now, right? So she's, uh, you know, she's discovering her voice. And there was one day where she was just driving me nuts because all she would just, daddy, 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 you know, you can't have a conversation with your wife. You can't do anything because yeah. you just, uh. and, and what, what, I, what I found throughout the, the time I was spending there with her is that that um, daddy, daddy, daddy reaction happened every time I either gave Colleen, my wife, my full attention, or I looked at my phone. And so what I realized was that wasn't my two-year-old being annoying. That was my two-year-old wanting my attention. And it just made me think, how many times am I not giving her my attention because I'm looking at my phone? And you don't even think about something like that and, and what kind of uh, consequences it can have on, on your kids as they grow. You know, that we, we actually have a podcast episode where we talk about um, secondhand screen time. Yeah, man, and, that one was uh, so convicting. It Yeah, it is convicting. And you know, so... Just briefly, second for those who don't know, so way to describe it is like secondhand smoke. Um, but secondhand screen time is the influence of you know if, if like Quinn or you know your 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 son or daughter like saying hey daddy look at me look at me and we're on our phones. Um, it's the influence of us being on our phones on our kids' brains and it's showing increase. What it's doing is it's impacting their pleasure system of their brain. It's inhibiting the pleasure system of the brain. So you can imagine a little girl, a little daughter who just like our daughter's three. And she loves to put on a dress and she twirls around and she says, daddy, look at me. 
you know, and she, the pleasure she receives of me going, honey, you are so beautiful. Whereas if I'm sitting on my screen and I don't see her or I ignore her, um, you know, it, what it's doing is it's inhibiting the pleasure system of the brain and therefore increasing anxiety. And this is research data. Like I'm not making this stuff up. Like this is, you, this is data and it, and it's, it's powerful stuff. So, and I, and if I can talk, I can address the other issues. I just, you know, the way that I see the other issues for me, I think as, as, as believers, and I'm, I'm really, um, I think I've, I'm, um, shifting a lot as it relates to this stuff. I, I see a lot of this as it really comes down to how we have the conversations with our kids and are we in ongoing conversations with our kids when we fear these issues. Um, and I think that's a lot of the times what happens because what ends up happening is, is we end up being scared of issues we don't really understand or know about. And so, you know, I think for each of us, uh, I'll give you a great example right now in, in America is the race issue. You know, here, racial tensions are really high. And I grew up in an area, in an all-white area. Like, I didn't grow up in a very diverse area. You know, I have friends today that I do, um, I meet with, um, you know, there's there's there's, four, there's eight, there's four black guys and four white guys. Christ is what unites all of us. But we get into, like, we get together and we, I mean, we go at it as it relates to the racial issues. I mean, we have very intense conversations sometimes surrounding it. But Christ unites us. And what we're doing is we're trying to open up each other's understanding of the other and try to open up understanding of, you know, our biases and our prejudices and those types of things. So that when we leave that group, we can go out even stronger with a deeper sense of understanding. And so, you know, one of the things that I describe, so the way that I describe like emotional safety with our kids, you know, with that dad, that 14 year old dad getting down on his daughter's level, is it the posture of emotional safety is that it's the golden rule of relationships is in order to be understood, we must first understand. And, and I think it goes the same for every major social issue that we're dealing with as Christians is that rather than leading in truth, when we lead in truth, it leads to condemnation. And so whether, you know, it's someone from a homosexual orientation, whether it's someone transgender, uh, whatever it is, um, or even it's the race issue, and it's someone just from a different uh, race or ethnicity of our own. If we kind of lead with truth, or you know, this hard line, it, what it does is it isolates us, and, it, and 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 we have no influence then to show the other person Jesus Christ. And so, I think it really emotional safety doesn't just begin in the home; it's also outside the home to go. Are we understanding other people in order to be understood, or are we first trying to get them to understand? before we ever even get into their world and try to understand where they're coming from. So, yeah, Yeah, I love what you said there, Josh, because it's leading with grace, leading with mercy towards people opens the door for you to be able to speak truth and into these situations in their lives. Like if we, if we think of how Christ did it, he brought mercy and grace and then the, the, the hammer, so to speak. Yeah. (laughs) Speak softly and carry a big stick, right? (laughs) I mean, you look at you look at the, Jesus with the woman at the well, right? I mean, he walked up to her and he built a relationship with her. I mean, she was trying to avoid public. I mean, she was at that well at, at an odd time of the day so she could avoid people. And all of a sudden she runs, you know, into the people and says, man, let me tell you about this man I just met who made me feel safe, you know, and who loves me and who 
but I mean, he gave her truce. He said, you know, don't go back. You're, you're not living with your husband right now. And yeah. the five that you had before, like he gave her truce, but she felt safe in it. Right. Uh, you know, and it's the same with the woman who was getting ready to be stoned, you know, who, who committed adultery, you know, and he's like, Hey, anybody who, you know, without sin, cast your first stone. Like, you know, he, you know, again, he leads in grace and follows up in truth. And I think we have to, as Christians, especially as Christian parents, teach our kids that and also be aware of our own biases and prejudices and, and the way we speak about people and, and that type of thing and just really be understanding before we just jump to a conclusion about something. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm always fascinated, you know, when you, when you look at the, the text where Paul calls himself the chief of sinners. And, uh, and we always say, well, he can call himself that because he knows what's going on in his own heart. And, uh, and I always remind myself that, you know, my, my wife gets a glimpse into my sinful heart more than most people, right? Because I'm venting at home or I'm whatever. And you forget sometimes that your kids are there too, right? And so, mm. like you're saying, you know, talking about um, the other and how you talk about the other and how you talk about some of these issues in the home is, is what your kids are hearing. So you, you might be really intentional about how you're talking to them but maybe not always being uh, intentional about what you're saying when you don't think they're listening, but they really are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and that, it goes back to who we are as parents. It just every time, who are we becoming, you know? Yeah. Amen. Um, okay. So we don't want to take up all your time. I feel like we could talk to you forever, Josh. Uh, this has been awesome, but uh, I do want to give you a chance because I, really, I mean, we love having you on the podcast and I, I'm excited to drop this episode. Um, but part of the goal here also is for those listeners of ours who are parents, uh, we want to connect them to you and to your ministry because it's been profoundly helpful for my wife and I, Colleen. Um, and so we want to, and, and just, it's not even just parenting. Uh, I think you have one podcast that we thought was awesome. Uh, it said like um, five ways to uh, bring intimacy back into your marriage, or I, I can't remember the title yeah. of it, but um, you know, some, some just great stuff for married couples and families. So uh, we want to connect them to your stuff. Talk to us a little bit about 22.6 Parenting. And, uh, and then maybe we'll talk about the podcast after that, but what's, what is 22.6 Parenting? Just give us the heart behind it. Yeah. 22.6 Parenting came out of the idea, just like myself, you know, um, I grew up in, in, in the church, um, but my parents didn't really know how to disciple me. You know, this whole idea that parents should be the primary disciplers of their kids, um, is, is kind of new in our culture. You know, we haven't really been talking about this. At least I, my parents weren't, it wasn't preached to my parents growing up. And so for a lot of us, you know, what does that look like? What does that mean? You know, what does it mean to um, not just throw our kids at the church to, to, you know, to learn about Jesus, but what does it mean to, to teach them? And so we really, you know, our heart was to say, how can we be emotionally safe? How can we as parents um, not just be emotionally safe, but uh, how can we give them the tools to be emotionally safe without trying to make them read a book about it or, you know, learn principles about it? What tools can we give them to be emotionally safe already um, and just be and spend time with their kids? And that's where 22.6 came out of. Uh, Proverbs 22.6 is, you know, depending on the version, train a child, teach a child, raise a child in the way that he should go. Uh, and when they're old, they won't depart from it. Um, and the first thing about that really is it's a, I think it's important to say a lot of times that verse gets thrown around as if it's a promise, but it's not a promise. It's a proverb. And so when we make it a promise, it leads to one of two things. It either leads to, um, 
uh, a lot of times it leads to more self-condemnation because we tend to feel guilty that our kids have gone astray and we're like, oh man, like we are the end all be all as parents and, and we shouldn't be messing up. Right. Like, so, but the opposite is also true. Like if we're the end all be all when my kids turn out well, it's because, oh, it was because of me. Right. And so the reality is, is it, that's why it's really a proverb. Um, so if you generally like lead your kids in the way they should go, lead them down the narrow road, going back to Moses in Deuteronomy six, where he says, you know, the four key times of the day, um, you know, parents should instill the love of and commands of God on their children's hearts in the morning, bedtime, dinner time, when you walk along the way, drive time, those four key times. And so we've created, um, a resource for parents. It's a community. It's an ongoing, um, uh, online community of parents where we, um, grow together on, uh, in the community, uh, ask questions. Christy and I do Facebook live with that community and a- answer questions with them on a regular basis. Um, it also prov- so it provides a community, provides the content around those four key times of the day. And each month is a mile marker. So what we'll do is, so for instance, uh, July was fear not. We focused on anxiety in kids and, 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 um, kind of, you know, the fear nots of the Bible. So all the content was built around fear not. Um, and building confidence in our kids. The one coming up for, for September is, uh, do not in your anger, do not sin. Um, you know, so, so we're walking through anger. So we're just walking through mile markers and building content around each of those mile markers. And then there's a coaching video. So it's community content and coaching. And there's a coaching video each month that, that we'll put out, uh, to really coach the parent on here. Here's how you use the, here's how you can implement the content this month. And here are some things to be watching out for and just some encouragement, um, and that type of thing. So it's really, it's an ongoing way for us to come alongside parents and for other parents to come alongside us to support one another in discipling our kids together and raising kids who love God and love others. That's, that's really the heart of it. So. Well, that's great. Um, how, how would some of our listeners get involved in that, um, support you and just really just pour into your ministry? Man, thank you for asking that question. Um, you know, Prayer, first of all, is is the biggest one. I mean, you know, when you're talking about family stuff, of course, the biggest thing that you <laughs> you worry about is how the enemy is going to come in and and uh, you know attack your own family. And so, you know, prayer and surrounding our family in prayer is 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 the key, biggest, best way to support. I think more than anything. And then, um, if you as a family want to join and, and be a part of twenty two six, it's a two two twenty two six parenting dot com, but it's the number two two six parenting dot com. Um, and actually, it's open. We're taking um, new um, people into uh, 226 for the entire month of September. So I don't know, um, you know, when this will drop, but, uh, you know, 20, uh, yeah, entire should, month of should, September. Should be in the so, first week of September, so that's perfect. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, so the entire month of September, 226parenting.com. And, uh, you know, we would love to have you join us on the journey. Like, it's just, it's, um, it's a lot of fun. And, and the community is amazing. Like the community, some, um, you know, someone will post something that they're dealing with, with their child and ask a question. And within like, you know, an hour, you have five or six other parents going, Hey, I'm dealing with that too. And it's just, it's just a neat community. Awesome. Um, and then I would just say, um, the podcast is, it's the, uh, in this together podcast. So if you search that or Dr. Josh and Christy podcast, um, then, uh, we'll find you on iTunes or whatever your favorite uh, podcast catcher is anything you want to say about the podcast, Josh? Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, it's just, we call it in this together because that's just it, man. We're all in this together. We're all sinful parents 
imperfect parents um, trying to raise kids who love God and love others. And really, um, when Moses in Deuteronomy 6 says, Hero Israel, he's talking to the entire church. And I think that's really what this is about, is the entire church coming together of parents and saying, hey, how can we support one another and do this together? And so um, that's that's the whole heart behind In This Together and the podcast. So we just bring you know, people on to interview them. Christy and I will sometimes talk about a topic and just really anything related to what, you know, a family is dealing with in today's generation. Um, and however we can encourage and support parents, that's, that's what it's all about. So that's awesome. Well, man, uh, like I said, I, I feel like we could talk to you all day, but we don't, don't want to take all your time. So thanks so much for being on here with us. And, uh, one of the things that we're, uh, very blessed with over here at uh, rebel Alliance is a really interactive group of listeners. So, uh, maybe sometime in the future, if we get some feedback or some questions that come up about this episode, maybe we'll have you back on and, and go on to, we had a whole list of questions that we would have loved to ask you that we didn't even get to. So, um, that's, that's good. We, we loved our time with you and, uh, and hopefully, uh, you'll stay a friend of the show. Hey, absolutely. I'd be more than honored to come on anytime. So, no problem. All right. Thanks so much for your time, Josh. And our wives Thank say to tell, our, our wives say to say hi to Christy for you. For us. Uh, yeah, oh, there you go. Fantastic. Yeah. I'll yeah. definitely tell her. All right. Take care, man. Take care. Well, that was fantastic. Thank you very much again to Dr. Josh for coming on the on the show. It's great when we have somebody who's smart, brilliant and able to articulate themselves in a way that's practical and meaningful our Christian faith and who are living it out and actually doing what they practicing what they preach as, as you speak. And, and one of the things I've always uh, been so amazed at with uh, Dr. Josh is just that he, he thinks so biblically and, and yet he has all that kind of clinical psychology knowledge and, and the way he can kind of weave those things together. Um, and you can tell that his foundation is the Bible. And then all of this clinical knowledge gets kind of put on that and, 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 uh, and built up from there that the, the, the Bible really is where he starts from. So we so appreciate that about him. So, uh, again, just, to, uh, if you want to connect to any of the stuff that he was talking about there, uh, his books, safe house and God attachment are available on his website. Uh, we would really encourage you to look into 22, six parenting and, uh, and definitely subscribe to their podcast in this together. If you have kids, if you are married, uh, this is a podcast that will absolutely be a blessing to you, to your family. And, uh, and we really, uh, encourage you to, uh, connect with everything that they're doing. So that was awesome. Um, absolutely. And we'll, and we'll let, and we'll post all the, uh, links to some of their stuff on the Facebook when the video, when the uh, podcast goes live and also on the SoundCloud account, just so people have easy access. If you're wondering, how do I learn more about what he's doing and his ministry and follow his podcast as well? So. Yeah, for sure. So, um, so that's, uh, that's this week's episode. Uh, we have some awesome guests coming up. Um, we probably just want to keep a lot of them a secret, Chris. Yeah. Okay. So we have, we have some really great guests. Uh, uh, a couple weeks ago, D Pastor Doug Wilson, uh, Dr. Josh today, and we have some other just really exciting guests the next couple of weeks that we are uh, super pumped about. So uh, make sure you're tuning into The Rebels. Make sure you follow us on uh, iTunes, uh, subscribe to us there. And, uh, and we would love it if you would give us a, uh, a rating there. Uh, five stars would be so appreciated. But if you can't give us five stars, get in touch with us and tell us why. Um, and, uh, and give us a review and then find us on Facebook, share the content, like the page. It's just a, another way to help the, uh, the ministry grow. And, uh, and again, thanks so much for listening. And, uh, anything you want to add to that as we finish up here, Chris? Nope. I just appreciate all everybody sticking with us through the first 30 episodes and we're looking forward to the next 30. Awesome. All right. Take care. Take care.